0: What's this all about, Julie? Why exactly can Beyoncé go to Cuba, and why can't you?
1: Because she's Queen Beyoncé.
0: Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Welcome back, friends, fans, family, daddy out there. Are you listening? I hope so. This is indeed the Lions of Liberty podcast. It's a brand new week, a brand new episode. This is episode number 80. Before I get to today's guest, I want to take a second to let you know about Health Excellence Select, an amazing alternative to Obamacare, which utilizes health sharing to cover your medical costs. Your fees go directly to pay the medical bills of others, not to some massive crony insurance company. To learn more, head to lionsofliberty.com slash health. My guest today is a policy analyst for FreedomWorks as well as one of the most active libertarian YouTubers out there. She was formerly known as the Token Libertarian Girl, and now she's just good old Julie Borowski. Julie, welcome back to the Lions of Liberty podcast.
1: Hey, thank you for having me.
0: Well, it's great to have you back, Julie, and you are in that elite group of guests who are making a repeat appearance on this show. (laughs) All right, score. And, uh, you know, if people want to learn more about Julie, they can go back and listen to our first interview. I believe it was episode number 12. You can find that over at the Lions of Liberty podcast archive, lionsofliberty.com slash podcast. But I mean, you are so active out there. There isn't an issue you're afraid to touch on and you approach things in a way that isn't necessarily dogmatic. You don't try to shove your beliefs down people's throats. And uh, I think what sometimes might get lost in some of the silliness because you do have a lot of fun with your videos, but uh, you do approach things in a very irrational way and I think you really try to relate to people and I think that's reflected in uh, the massive number of hits you get in your videos. So that's why I want to have back on because you're always talking about a whole bunch of of relevant topics
1: thanks
0: julie just to recap real quick for people that might not be familiar with your work for um those very very small segment of the population that hasn't been listening to this podcast from its early days why don't you just give us kind of the cliff notes version of what you do over at freedom works and how you got started doing these youtube videos and you know for people that want the director's cut the full story they can go back to episode 12 and listen to that but give us kind of the the brief version of the julie borowski story
1: Sure. This is the story of my life, I guess. Um, I started at FreedomWorks in 2010 when I was still in college. Uh, now I'm still there about five years later. I'm a policy analyst, so I analyze policy, pretty much any policy, economic policy. Now we're getting to a lot of like NSA issues, criminal justice reform, which is cool. So I analyze policy. I look at bills. I do research, all that fun stuff. But on the side, I have a YouTube channel. I started in 2011. I was a big Ron Paul supporter, so I kind of made videos to support Ron Paul. And I've been doing it for a few years, talking about libertarian policy issues. But like you said, I kind of want to make it fun because I think there's so many libertarian videos out there. And a lot of them are good, but some of them are just really just boring and like in your face, lecturing to people. So I kind of just want to keep it chill and discuss some ideas on my YouTube channel. So that's what I do.
0: Cool. Yeah, and it's really a breath of fresh air compared to some of the, uh, I don't know, the more like, oh, anarchy now and like the, <laughs> the Alex Jones kind of fear mongering. The economy is going to collapse. The World War III is coming. And I don't know. Maybe that stuff's all true, but at least we can try to communicate ideas in a little more reasonable way. In the meantime, while uh, while we're all waiting for the world to end or whatever people out there think is going to happen. But um, you know, I want to start talking about one of your latest videos. It's entitled "My Body, My Choice," and I'm sure many people saw the title to that video and might have thought the video was going to be about something that it's not. <laughs> um, that was so, the plan. Yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> suspected that. Uh, so wh- why don't you just tell us about this video. Tell us what it's actually about.
1: Sure. Well, I wanted to make this video for a while, but I finally got around to it. There was a cancer patient. She was a 17-year-old girl in um, Connecticut who had cancer, and she didn't want to go on chemo. She was 17 years old, in the state basically – kidnapped her from her family and made her go on chemo against her will. So I basically said in the video that if I was in her position, it's a very curable type of cancer. Yeah, I'd probably choose the chemo. But I'm not her, you know. She has her own body. That's her own choice. She should be able to make it. She's old enough to make those decisions on her own, and her parents support her. So if the state can do that, I mean, it's just really kind of like what's next? Not to sound like Alex Jones, as you said. But, <laughs> I mean, it is kind of
0: scary. The microchips are next. Oh. <laughs>
1: I I mean, it is, that is scary. And then I kind of went on to the Brittany Maynard case. If you remember, there was a 29-year-old girl, so a little bit older. She was going to die of cancer, and she knew that. She had a couple months left, and she decided to end her life. I mean, it, and that's an extremely hard decision. No one takes that kind of thing lightly. And But she decided to end her life because she didn't want to suffer, and she knew she was going to die. And I think she that is her choice. I know some people disagreed with it, but... That's her own body and that's her own choice. I know a lot of people thought it was going to be an abortion video and, you know, get some clicks out there and maybe people realize there's more than just abortion out there. You know, you own your entire body.
0: Well, sure. And it's it makes sense to um, use that headline because that is the argument. A pro-abortion people will use so if you want to mm-hmm. kind of get some of that crowd into to listening to your views and finding out how this concept of owning your own body can apply to other things because i don't know i have a feeling that some of the same people that might you know support abortion might also support forcing this woman to go and yeah. undergo th- chemotherapy i mean i don't know i'm sure there's some some people out there where where it overlaps but, you know, it's, it's very important, this, this issue of being able to decide what goes into our own bodies. And, and the biggest issue, and I don't want to get too much into it, because my brain already hurts from uh, a lot of the Facebook conversations I've been having lately, uh, this issue of vaccines that's just out there so much. And I think what gets glossed over, I mean, every, it, it seems like any, any conversation about vaccines, Inevitably turns into this pro versus anti-vax thing. And it seems just like such an oversimplification of things because, you know, there's not just one vaccine in the world. There's a there's a ton of them. There's like hundreds of them that people could take and people take them all sorts of different times. And I, I certainly agree the technology that exists is, is pretty well proven that vaccines can work to, you know, keep people immune. And that's great. But it always, the conversation seems to always talk about the pros and cons of vaccines, but not the rights of the individuals of whether or not to put those vaccines in their body. And I think once we allow the concept at all of the government or a forceful government being able to decide or make medical decisions for other people, force something into their body, whether it's a vaccine, whether it's chemotherapy, even if it might be better for them by, you know, whatever scientific quote-unquote consensus there might be or whatever public consensus is, that's pretty irrelevant as far as I'm concerned because – I don't really care what the public consensus is. When it comes to the end of the day, if I'm sick, I'm going to be the one who evaluates all the possibilities of how I should treat myself. And maybe I don't want to undergo th- chemo. Like she said, I think um this this young girl in Connecticut, she even said, you know, to me, life is about quality of life, not about the length of life. Maybe she just doesn't want to undergo that. And it's it's just terribly sad that she's literally being strapped down. And forced to undergo this chemo, it's it's absolutely frightening. I'm I'm sure you've read her her own article she wrote, kind of describing her experience. Yeah. It's just just a terrible thing because uh, I think that in itself, that traumatic experience of being forced to have chemicals and radiation, you know, injected into your body, is just uh, something no one should be have to go through, it other than their own choice. It raises an interesting issue, though. Like, I mean, I think nobody would be really arguing about the chemotherapy thing if the girl was, say, five years old and and like clearly couldn't make those decisions for herself. Just like they wouldn't be arguing about it if she was 18, because then it's it's a legal limit. And it just seems that the the way we decide what age someone is adult is rather arbitrary, and I don't have the answer for for how and when you decide that. But um, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the uh, the proper way to go about things to just choose a random number and say this is the age you can decide everything about yourself. One of your more recent videos I want to move on to is entitled. Beyonce can go to Cuba, why can't I? Well, well, what's this all about, Julie? Why exactly can Beyonce go to Cuba, and why can't you?
1: Because she's Queen Beyonce. <laughs> so basically, I did a video on Cuba. Um, I don't really want to go to Cuba. I don't really have any great desire to go to Cuba. But I believe if I want to go to Cuba, I should be able to go to Cuba. You know? That's how I feel about it.
0: You must not like cigars, then.
1: I don't like cigars. I all don't right, like to the smoke. I'm pretty, I'm pretty clean. But um, basically, I think a year or two ago, Beyonce and Jay-Z, they went to Cuba. They got special permission from the government to do, which you have to if you want to go to Cuba. They have a couple exceptions. If you have family there and stuff, they might let you go. But why just Cuba do you have to get permission from the U.S. government to go? It's not Cuba that says don't come here. It's our the U.S. government that says you can't go. And they're saying that Cuba... Like the dictatorship is terrible. Of course it is. I agree with that. But there's a lot of bad dictatorships around the world. Why? Why are you just banning them, too? You know, Iran, China, Vietnam. They're all Those are communist countries. Why can't why can I go there? But I can't go to Cuba. It's bizarre. Well, not really bizarre, because we all know what the reason is. There's a bunch of donors. Cuban-American donors who lobby for the embargo every year. And nothing's changed. It's been going on for 50 years, and we still have the same dictatorship in Cuba. So what's, what's the purpose of this? I don't know. I just get upset about it, man.
0: Sure. Man. I mean, it essentially comes down to trying to please a very, very small anti-Castro. Not that I think most Americans are anti-Castro, but a, a very rabid anti-Castro constituency that somehow sees the embargo as, uh, you know, helping to bring down the regime or something. But, you know, it's been, uh, 50 years. I think we can safely say that, uh, the mm-hmm. embargo is not bringing down the mm-hmm. Castro regime. If anything, and I've, I've done some traveling in Central America and South America. I've met a lot of Cuban expats and, and these guys love America. They, they love Americans. They want Americans to come over. They want to come over to America. That's why they flee from Cuba but they will say that there's not the embargo only hurts them it only hurts the products yeah. that they can get it only hurts the people in their country and it gives castro an excuse to say to point up north and say look at these big bad americans look at this empire here they are these capitalists are just trying to crush us and that's why you need me big strong castro and, and my brother raul here to to keep order and keep us safe so it, it really just adds fuel to their fire as well and it's also a great point you make about and i, I think in the video you mentioned that, well you know you can go to north korea and get Get a guided tour from from the North Korean government, which sounds ridiculous because at least when you're trying to apply any sort of consistency in politics, which is very hard to find, um, you know, you would be hard pressed to find a more tyrannical, a more rights infringing government in maybe in the history of the world than North Korea. But I can buy a ticket tomorrow. and No one's going to try to stop me. Uh, Maybe my family and friends or something. I don't know. But, you know, you can go to North Korea. You can go to Saudi Arabia. You can go to Qatar. You can go to Abu Dhabi, where being a homosexual is a crime. But if you want to hop over to Cuba and smoke a cigar, uh-uh-uh, <laughs> you got to get permission. It just, it doesn't seem to make any sense.
1: Yeah, I, li- I like the point you made about it gives uh, the Castro regime a scapegoat in the United States. So they can actually blame, oh, it's the United States for, the- that's why we're so poor and not just because you're communist. So it's not, it's not doing anyone any favors, any good people at least.
0: Sure, and the, the conspiracy theorist in me thinks that the Castro people are probably even supporting the lobbying groups that want to keep the embargo, because I, I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know, not to go back to the Alex Jones mode again, but <laughs> I mean, because really the embargo helps them more than anything. If they didn't have the embargo, it's just one less thing they can use to explain why their country is so poor, because it's it's obviously not socialism. It's obviously not having a command economy. No, it's got to be the evil Americans and their embargo. So if we can pull that away, and, and I'm very happy that the obama administration is doing what it's doing it's not doesn't go far enough as far as i'm concerned but they are at least um opening things up opening up trade a little bit and uh there's finally at least a conversation about this and some political progress and i'm the biggest obama critic out there maybe not the biggest but you know i'm gonna i'm gonna try to praise people when they do right and i think this is one case where obama is at least uh maybe it's the fact that he's kind of a lame duck now he doesn't have to please constituencies as much um he's at least doing and saying a few right things and, and i think cuba's one of them but speaking of Obama and some of his policies, you recently did a video about another one of his proposals regarding this idea of free community college. Why don't you just tell us what kind of response you got when you even suggested that, you know, that community college degrees might be a little bit inflated, that this college plan might not be the best idea in the universe. What kind of response did you get on your uh, your social media and that kind of thing?
1: Oh, gosh. So I posted a status before I ever made the video. I made the video as a response to all these people, but it got like almost a million um, views on it because a bunch of liberals saw it and they posted it on their page basically to make fun of me, to call me uneducated, like redneck, teabagger, all those kinds of things.
0: What a way to win people over. (laughs)
1: They, they said you know i must be against education or i must be some you know white privileged rich girl who doesn't want poor people to get educated all kinds of ridiculous stuff so yeah i got a lot of hate for that one
0: so why exactly is this free community college plan a bad idea because i mean hey college is good right people get educated people can learn more maybe people that couldn't afford it can uh, now get that education they've already desired so why is it such a bad idea
1: Well, first, because it's not actually free, of course. We know there's no such thing as a free lunch. As Milton Friedman said, you know, it's actually going to cost a lot of money. It's going to come from taxpayers. It's going to probably cost more money than they would actually spend. So it's not free. It's just kind of Obama. You know, politicians, they always want to offer free things to people. They actually don't care about the principles of economics. If it's actually going to work because they want to bribe people, you know we've seen this time and time again another point that I made which is probably more controversial is that it will downgrade college degrees if a lot of people have college degrees it's not worth as much anymore an associate's degree if everyone and their mother has an associate's degree it doesn't stand out on any resumes so what I was trying to say is you know let's have the conversation maybe too many people are going to college maybe there's alternative routes that people should probably take instead You know, there's trade school, or they can just go straight into the workforce and get some job experience and go off the ladder that way. I don't think college is for everyone. It was my point, and that was the most controversial point I made.
0: Sure, and it seems like it's kind of a part of the whole American dream trope. You go to college, you get a degree, maybe you go to a second college, maybe you get graduate school or a medical degree, then you get a job, you uh, invest in your 401k, (laughs) X percentage a month. And you buy a house, and then you're happy, and then you're you're a proud, true American. But, you know, real life doesn't really follow these patterns, and it seems like so many people I know, when I was uh, finishing up high school, it was just kind of a known fact that I was going to college, and I didn't really have any direction or any specific mm-hmm. thing I wanted to go for. I ended up finding that, but, you know, I, I really think more people just go in and, and wander through college. I think this because I did it for a while. You wander through college kind of aimlessly, you know, you meet a bunch of people, yeah. you're young, there's parties, you're having fun, and you you lose any kind of Focus there is. That's only amplified if you're just going to hand people a-, a check or hand people a you know a free pass to go to community college. But I, I do think that the idea of com- of this free community college it, it comes from. Maybe not from Obama himself, but for many people, it comes from a good place. It comes from the place where they see a lot of people aren't able to advance in society. They're not able to get the education that they need or that they feel they need. And I think that the free college idea doesn't really address the core issue, which is how much the education system has been cartelized by the U.S. government. You know, when you have the U.S. government essentially running the entire college system by proxy through the system of accreditation, requiring teachers to all have certain degrees from certain accredited universities... Uh, if you go even further, they restrict the number of medical schools that are allowed to even exist in the United States. There's really a clamp down on education. And I think if we had true freedom in education, that where people can just start a school, like if I think I can start a little school to teach people about TV production, I should be able to do that. And I, I can do that in a way, but maybe it's not the best example. But I certainly couldn't start a medical school even if I had, um, you know, a very good education of my own that maybe I didn't get at a, you know, accredited U.S. university. So what do you think about that? Do you think a lot of this call for education? does come from some legitimate place and people are just kind of misguided?
1: Yeah, I'm sure it does. I don't think people who are calling for it are bad people at all. I think they have good intentions. But like you were saying, if there's more competition and we get the government out of the way, I think it will lower college costs and other people don't have to pay for it. There's also other options like scholarships. But there are people, good people, smart people, who may cannot afford to go to college. So there are a lot of scholarship programs out there that that, that are good that I definitely support.
0: Julie, one thing I've kind of noticed in your videos this year or your more recent videos is, you know, not every video you have a costume on or you're just being silly and wacky. You're doing a lot more straightforward, just kind of out there stating your opinion. So is that is that kind of a conscious shift you've made? Obviously, certain subjects, there's there's just nothing silly about it. Like there's nothing silly about having cancer or chemotherapy or that kind of thing, obviously. Um, Is that a conscious shift you've made recently at all?
1: No, not really. Just wait until the next one comes out. It's kind of ridiculous. I think it just matters what the topic is. I guess I've been doing more serious topics and, you know, there is a time and a place to be goofy. But if you're talking about cancer or even Cuba, I know there's a lot of sensitive conservatives on that issue. Like, I don't want to come off as, you know, I'm pro-communist or anything like that. or I Support the Castro regime. So it's just kind of a conscious thing where, you know, I shouldn't act crazy and goofy because there are some people who might get offended. I want to tell the truth, but I don't I don't want to offend people for no good reason, I guess, would be my purpose if I'm trying to get them to come my way. So, I'm not going to make jokes about cancer, you know?
0: Yeah, I was definitely expecting, like, a, a Beyonce costume or, like, a, a Castro hat or the cigars. I, I wanted to, but then
1: I was like, you know, because I had posted um previously about the Castro and the Cuban embargo, and there were some people who brought up some good points, and they were concerned about it. So I, I was like, you know, let's not rub it in their face.
0: Yeah, and I think it's good to have that kind of mix, because some issues might deserve a more straightforward, like, yeah. look, this is what I mean. I'm not trying to just be a goof here, but... But uh, other times it's, it's a little more appropriate to be silly. And and, yeah. and one of my favorite videos of yours, uh, maybe ever, or at least, uh, you know, the last year or so, this is a response to a video that uh, I saw just about pretty much every female I know uh, in the universe posting on Facebook. This was the potty mouth princesses drop F-bombs for feminism video. And, and uh, so why don't you just first tell us what the original video is all about? And, and, you know, why did you feel the need to do a parody version of this video?
1: Sure, so this organization called F-Hate, I believe is the name, came out with this video with a bunch of little girls in princess costumes. But the big thing about it was, is they were dropping the F-bomb, like every other sentence, talking about feminism. This video went viral, I knew a lot of people were talking about it, they were upset about it. So I saw it as the perfect opportunity to make a parody of it. Because I believe our side doesn't do parodies that well. The left is so great at parodies. Like, they even make me laugh, even if I don't agree with them. Because I, I appreciate the art, I would say. So I decided I'm going to go to the party store, which I, where I get all my costumes, and get a princess costume and just go to town on this video. Because the video had a bunch of misleading stats about uh, rape and sexual assault, which they're not funny topics, like I said. But the stats were just, just. you need to debunk these stats over and over, especially the 77 cents. Women supposedly make 77 cents for every man's dollar for the same work. That is such a lie, and they keep saying that over and over. It's not actually comparing apples to apples. It's not comparing men and women in the same job. It's just a median wage. So that's just misleading. Um, it's also, they were talking about, you know, we need to teach men not to rape I agree, but I, I, I think that's just such a common sense thing. Like, we're not telling men not to rape people. Like, all men are rapists that need to be taught that. It just it was just silly, so I decided hey, I'm going to make a video making fun of this.
0: I saw someone who was posting this thing and being so proud of it, but it's like, really? I mean, are you proud of, like, seven-year-old girls just cursing i mean there are probably better ways to it. i mean i guess it did raise awareness in a way because yeah. it went so viral but i don't know i mean i'm not uh, i'm not against cursing i have a bit of a, a potty mouth when i'm when i'm not making a <laughs> podcast <laughs> but i mean i still don't think maybe 7 year olds should be should be saying that kind of stuff I mean, it just doesn't seem like an appropriate way to uh, to convey a message especially when it's a message that's just filled with so many falsehoods basically lies i mean I and mean, just things that have been completely debunked and they're just repeated as if they're facts and it really seems to paint men as um as just these kind of wild creatures that are going around mm. running around just uh, wanting to rape everybody and um I don't know, I know a lot of men and uh, most of them aren't like that so uh, i th- I think the kind of person that would uh do that is you know they exist in our society there is always going to be some kind of criminal element in our society, but it seems an odd thing that um the idea that we would need to I don't know maybe have like a, a no rape class i mean and, and like we said before like uh, trying to see what kind of what what kind of consistent beliefs people have I, I would imagine that a lot of the people that like this video and not your video but the original video and uh, support that message in there um, might be some of the same people that would be for gun control and wouldn't necessarily want people to carry a gun around on the street well to me i can't really think of many many better methods to deter rape if you're a woman who's most likely less powerful than a man who might be Attempting to rape you uh, if a woman has a is armed and has a way to physically defend herself rather than maybe just saying, hey, you you didn't take your uh, your anti-rape class. Was that kind of part of your message then working that Second Amendment thing in there?
1: Yeah, I knew one of the lines of the video was that we women shouldn't be afraid to walk to their cars at night. Right. But I mean, OK. Yeah, that's kind of just the facts of life. It would be nice if we lived in a society with no violence, where everyone was nice to each other and smiled. But that's just not the society that we live in. And I don't know if we'll ever live in that society. So I believe it's just the reality of the situation that women, men, I mean, I'm sure men can be afraid to walk to their car at night, too, because, you know, men get mugged all the time and stuff like that. So I think that it's really I don't understand why they're so against self-defense. When you say that women should be able to have guns or women should be able to, you know, carry pepper spray and all this stuff, it's like, well, just teach men not to rape. Why can't we do both? You know, teach people just in general, don't rape people. It's wrong. But we should be able to say, hey, you can be able to defend yourself if you want to because I I mean, I want to be able to defend myself. So I don't know why they're so against that message of self-defense.
0: Sure. I mean, even broader. I mean, I don't even know if we need to pe- teach people next to not to rape just to, uh, not assault people in any way, shape or form. You know, just, that's kind of what we, but yeah. you and I both do is, is kind of spread this message of not aggressing on individuals that haven't harmed other people. Uh, and, and it's kind of interesting. This whole rape dynamic, it sort of kind of ties back in because when someone is raped, it's a very, very, very serious traumatic experience. They're having something done to them. They do not want it's being, it's a physical force upon them. And you go back to this girl in Connecticut, I mean, I'm not going to directly compare it to rape, but it's a similar situation in a way. Something is being forcefully done to her. She's being strapped down against her will, having things injected to, into her body she doesn't want. And, uh, you know, in a society where people have a consistent principle, this should all be the same thing in a way. You know, rape should be wrong. Forcing chemotherapy onto people should be wrong. Forcing vaccines into people should be wrong. It should all really be wrong. And I, I think that's why it's important to find all these different issues because so many people just segment every issue and try to look at it as its, a, it's individual thing in its own bubble. But they they don't look at the, the greater picture of how it all ties into a, or at least should tie into a broader political philosophy. I'm
1: with you on that.
0: All right. Uh, Julie, I've got just a couple more questions for you. But first, I want to take a minute to tell everyone out there about our sponsor, health excellence select now until last year i was just like you guys i saw my health insurance costs double and my deductibles skyrocket thanks to the obamacare health insurance mandates determined not to participate in this corporatist scheme i sought an alternative and found out about health sharing a fantastic concept in which your monthly fees go directly to pay the medical bills of others not into the pockets of some crony capitalist fat cat health excellence select combines health sharing with a patient care personal assistant 24-7 phone access to board-certified physicians, and discounts on dental, vision, and other benefits. The best part is that for most people, plans with Health Excellence Select are much more affordable than Obamacare insurance, and it meets the legal mandate, so you will not be fined for using it in lieu of insurance. For more information, head on over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. Now, Julie, say someone is kind of new to this whole liberty thing. Maybe they stumbled on this interview somehow. Maybe they just stumbled upon your YouTube channel. Do you have any books you would recommend to someone who's kind of just learning about the ideas of liberty, just learning about these concepts overall?
1: Sure. If someone is just getting into libertarianism or just free markets in general, one book that I would recommend is Henry Hazlitt, Economics in One Lesson. I read it many years ago. It's a good book talking about free market economics. and one of the coolest parts of the book is it talks about a lot of unintended consequences of government regulation of the economy. It's just really kind of fascinating, fascinating, I guess to look at this all these these things like wage wage um, freezes and stuff and how that affects people. It's, I think it's just a really interesting book, so check it out.
0: Cool now Julie, another topic I know you're you're really passionate about just from following you on Facebook on social media is uh, the topic of breed specific legislation mm-hmm. so I uh, just want to touch on that for a minute well, why are you so passionate about the subject I don't think I know you did make one video about it but it wasn't it was I don't think you were even in it it was just kind of a, a general informational video with a bunch of pictures of cute puppies and stuff like that which I, <laughs> which I love I'm a dog owner dog lover and um, so what why is this issue so passionate for you?
1: I love dogs. I've always loved dogs. I had a German Shepherd growing up, and I also love pit bulls. I believe pit bulls have a bad reputation. People think they're just mean and aggressive, and some are trained to be that way. But there are many nice family pets that are pit bulls, and there's government regulations all over the country. They're mostly local in cities, basically banning pit bulls. So the government especially in Denver Denver is the worst for this the government is coming into people's homes and taking their pit bulls away from them oh my and god
0: I didn't even know that that's the, they're yeah. literally just busting down doors maybe they don't bust them if, down but if
1: they see a pit bull in the yard that's enough cause for them to come into the house and take the dog because wow. the dog is illegal so that's something I really care about and I saw I follow a lot of like animal rights groups and stuff on Facebook and for years that was a big issue for them. And I didn't really see it in libertarian circles as much. I don't know if people just are not aware of it. So I was like, well, this is a very libertarian issue. The government telling people what kind of dog breeds they can home, just dogs in general. So I decided I'm going to talk about it. So I talk about it. Some some people don't like when I talk about it, which makes me upset. But I think it's an important topic.
0: I think this pit bull issue or the, the breed-specific legislation is, issue gives us an opportunity to look at how rules pertaining to things like this could be formed in a, a, you know, what we always call the the more free society or quote-unquote a free society because, you know, I think the real problem with the breed-specific legislation is it's just forced upon people. It's, it's kind of done with this broad brush like some city Denver says, all right, anybody that has pit bulls, you can't have them anymore. We're going to take them. We're going to kill them. Or, you know, it, God forbid the federal government passed some kind of pit bull ban. People always say pit bulls are a dangerous breed. Well, pit bulls are very commonly raised to fight. So, and and mm-hmm. many of those pit bulls end up in shelters and are extremely traumatized. And those pit bulls end up, you know, having problems. And they do need to be kept in certain areas, trained in proper ways and all that. And th- there's definitely some amount of legitimacy to that. But to just ban, it's, I mean, it's it's almost like racism in humans. Just to say everyone is part yeah. of this, this breed, must be violent, must be uh, dangerous. And that's really not the case. You can raise a pit bull from a puppy, raise him the proper way, and he's going to be, uh, you know, a, a fine animal. But I think it really gives us a chance to to look at how communities could do such a thing. Because if, you know, say like 100 property owners form a community and they say, we hate pit bulls, we want nothing to do with them. Uh, you can't bring pit bulls in here. That's totally fine. I would disagree with them, but it's their property. It's their community. I think communities can totally start to form rules about that kind of thing, but they can't do it after the fact. They can't just force it upon other people that already live in a community and say, guess what? We got a new rule here that you never agreed to, but, you know, we're going to come take your pit bull if you don't like it. Uh, I, I really think this can apply to so many issues, even other stuff, even prostitution or drugs. I mean, you can form a community that's a drug-free community, a prostitution-free community. The problem only comes in when a, a government comes in and just uses force and, and uses a broad brush to say all you people here we're going to apply this new rule to every one of you even if you're not harming anyone else even if uh, you never agree to these things too bad
1: yeah that's a good point like I, i'm totally fine with apartment buildings banning pit bulls or homeowners associations banning pit bulls, but the problem is the government saying that no one can have a pit bull. i know in mississippi they almost well they're considering a bill that says that any police officer can go into anyone's house if they have a pit bull. They don't need a warrant. Things like that, I think, is something that libertarians should care about.
0: Absolutely, because I mean, it's it's a violation of of your property rights. I mean, I, I don't know. It's a it's kind of a dicey issue calling animals property, but I, I mean, we can't call them humans. So I think calling them property or at least treating them as property when it comes to people's ownership over them is probably just the the best way to look at it in our in our current structure and yeah, if you're it's no different than busting into someone's house to because they have a marijuana plant or because they have something else the government decided they don't like actually one more thing I'm going to touch on I promise I won't get too much into it I just did a whole interview with Lou Rockwell uh all about anarchy so I don't need to talk about it all day long but I I did come across the interview you did with Jan Helfeld recently I'm sure you remember that one uh, where he was really pressing on you, and I'm not going to use the Socratic method, don't worry, but <laughs> he was really pressing on you about the concept of anarchy, the concept of should we even have laws at all. So I, I, maybe just give me some thoughts on, on Jan's questioning to you. What what do you, what do you think he was trying to achieve there, and you know, what do you think about that whole concept?
1: I think he was just trying to make me admit that I'm an anarchist. <laughs> I don't like that label, because I think it's just so off-putting to people. If you ask somebody on the street, what do you think of an anarchist, they're going to tell you somebody that likes to throw rocks through Starbucks window, you know, <laughs> likes to light do everything do on that? fire. And, yeah, they do. Um, wow. they're, like the, um, they're like left anarchists, like communist anarchists. Those are people that people think of when they hear the word anarchist. They don't think of, you know, Jeffrey Tucker, this nice, smiling guy. They think of that. So I don't use that label on myself because I think it's off-putting. My approach is I want to introduce people to the ideas of liberty. And I can't, I can't put that label on myself because of that. Um, do I wish we lived in a stateless society? Maybe. I mean, I'm interested in the idea of it. I just don't think it's practical in my lifetime. And I do have a, a few questions on how something would work in that society. Because I just, I'm such a practical person that I don't think that's it's a reality, so why why would talk about it when you're trying to introduce people to these ideas? So it just it's just going to turn them away. So I guess that's kind of what I wanted to convey. But yeah, he kept pressing me and pressing me, trying to make me say the word. I wouldn't say it because I was told just to repeat the same thing you kept saying. If people are pushing you for something, they're hopefully leave you alone.
0: Cool. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's um an improper focus to focus on anarchy myself because. I don't really care if we have a quote-unquote stateless society. I do if, if we accept that definition of the state as the the criminal gang or what have you. I want to see a society where, where people aren't using force on their fellow man to just achieve what they want. Mm-hmm. I have no problem if people form something called a government that people agree to and agree as a, a common body to create a body of law, create a body of government. Police, fire, whatever. Do it. But just don't force other people to pay for it that don't want to be in that community, that don't want to participate in it. You can't just paint a broad brush over and say, all right, this area of land we are now the controllers of and we make all the rules. No. But the very concept of government is is much more simple than that. And I think to, to push the anarchy thing, as many people do, I think it turns people off and understandably because a lot of people – like you said they think of uh, i guess <laughs> pouring rocks into Starbucks window or whatever I never heard of that I'll have to I'll have to look it up on YouTube or something but not that I want to give clicks to those damn uh, those damn left anarchists <laughs> but uh, Julie, it's been fun. It's always fun talking about these topics with you. And you know, like I said before, I really, I'd really loved your approach to these issues. I think it's uh obviously your your YouTube hits are the evidence that it, it at least gets people interested, gets people talking about these things. And uh, I think at the point we're at in our society today, where so many people have such skewed ideas about uh you know political concepts and that kind of thing, it's important to get people talking about these things in any way. And, and you're certainly effective at doing that. So keep up the great work. And you know, before I let you go, why don't you feel free to uh, you know let people know how they can find you on YouTube, how they can find you on social media, and uh feel free to plug any other projects you got going on.
1: Sure, thank you for having me on. If you want to find me on Facebook, it's just Julie Borowski. Same with Twitter, Julie Borowski, and my YouTube channel, it's still Token Libertarian Girl, but I don't really go by that anymore. But if you just search Julie Borowski YouTube, you'll be able to find all my videos.
0: Alright, well Julie Borowski, like I said, best of luck and take care. Thank you. We'll be back after a little break. Hey guys, Mark Claire here, lionsofliberty.com, where we strive to advance the ideas of Liberty Daily. We bring you The Morning Roar! That's right, every Monday to Friday we'll have a brand new edition of The Morning Roar, where we provide a roundup of some news stories that you may not find in the mainstream media, or even in your typical social media newsfeed. We find stories that relate to the ideas of liberty and provide you with our liberty perspective on them. We wrap it all up every Friday with Felony Friday, where our own John Odermatt goes out and takes a look at some sort of felony. There's felonies committed every day, you know, whether it's a felony committed by the police, a politician, or even an average citizen. You can find all of this and so much more over at LinesOfLiberty.com, advancing the ideas of liberty daily. This is Glenn Jacobs, and you're listening to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed my little talk there with Miss Julie Borowski, a great young lady who's doing a lot of great work spreading the ideas of liberty, and whether or not you agree with every one of her stances, whether or not you like every one of her videos or even like her videos at all, you gotta admit... She's reaching people. She's reaching a lot of people and getting people to talk about these things. If you don't believe me, just check out her Facebook feed. Check out her YouTube feed. There are comments galore, all right? So, you know, this is just a really good example to me of another way that people can reach people. Uh, You know, I've had a lot of guests that that have been successful in finding unique ways to reach people. I mean, I just spoke to Carrie Wedler last week, another YouTube star, who produced a video of her burning an Obama t-shirt, and that one video got 1.5 million views. Think about how many people just get sucked into this one video that catches their eye and teaches them about a different perspective they might have never had before. Maybe opens their eyes to, even if it's a, something as simple as saying, oh my god, this left-right thing really is nonsense. I really need to think about things a little bit deeper. And and Julie does the same kind of thing, and she's done it so incredibly successfully. Um, and she's really got a good way of approaching things. I mean, she knows when to take an, a, a serious approach to an issue. She knows when it's time to have some fun and wear some goofy costumes. I mean, it's that kind of mix. It's, it's that kind of Mix we strive for here too at Lines of Liberty. I have episodes that are relatively serious. We'll talk about intense libertarian topics. I have other episodes where I'll kick back with my friends on libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor, and we'll have a couple adult beverages and we'll have a good old time and just kind of shoot the shit, if you will. Uh, but you know, I think the important thing is that there are many ways we can reach people. You don't have to be a YouTube star. You don't have to be a podcasting star. Not that I'm a star, but you know, whatever. Point is, there are so many ways you can reach people. I happen to really enjoy podcasting. Why? I don't know. Why do I like sitting alone in front of a microphone and just talking to it? (laughs) Well, it's because I know that eventually there's going to be some other people on the other end of that microphone that might be listening to the show. Not might be. I know you're listening to the show. I see the numbers. I know you're out there, folks. You know, Whether you're a YouTube star, a podcaster, whether you are a blogger, whether you like to write, whether you like to... I always like to bring up sock puppets. I don't know why. I have yet to see a libertarian sock puppeteer. But if you're out there, please continue what you're doing. Let me know about it. Maybe we can do a podcast interview about it. There are so many ways to reach people. Uh, but something I want to address in that, I think what stops a lot of people, what stopped me for a while, is kind of this fear. It's kind of called uh, the imposter syndrome, this idea that, oh man, I- I'm, really, I'm really not the expert on... On, on this stuff. I really don't know if I have all my stuff together. And it's important to, to learn, to communicate, to to work on the ideas, to investigate philosophy, find out what makes sense. But at some point, you just got to do it. And you don't need to be the expert. You don't need to be the authority to do this. I'm not an authority. I don't have everything figured out. I don't claim to have everything figured out. I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm, I'm using this podcast as a vehicle to do this and to kind of bring you guys along that journey. So, you know, you don't have to have everything solved. You don't have to have New York Times best selling, you know, books to uh, to be an expert on something or to be, you know, to have an opinion on something, to express your voice. And that's just so important and it doesn't just apply to politics, it applies to absolutely anything that you're passionate about. And you know, this this is just one forum we have, but with the technology we have today, there are so many ways you can take your passion, channel it and do something, whether it's a podcast, a YouTube video or whatever, stuff I haven't even thought of yet. Holograms. Can, can we, does that exist yet? I, I think we saw a hologram of Tupac. Maybe there's some genius out there that can make some cool, uh, libertarian holograms. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just a guy with a microphone and a laptop. That's all I am. I'm not much different than you guys. I mean, maybe I'm a little cooler. No, I'm just kidding. Um, You know, there, the, there is. you don't need to be an expert. You don't need to be some authority. You don't need to have read, you know, 500 Murray Rothbard books. You know, you don't need to have the full scope of knowledge in the world to have this conversation because that's what it has to be. I don't even like the idea of debates. You know, a debate is something you're trying to win. I'm not trying to win anything. I'm not trying to win some battle here. I'm trying to have a conversation, get people thinking differently about their views, about the way... They view their interactions with their fellow man. That's the goal. That's what we're doing. Hopefully we're at least eh, minorly successful. If you think we're successful, maybe tell your friends about it. We really don't have an advertising budget here. So our advertising budget is you guys, the foot soldiers, the street team. I need you to be on your forums telling people about the show, telling your fans, telling your – Telling your fans, maybe you do have fans, telling your friends, telling your family, telling everybody you know. If you like the show, if you don't, cool, no worries. But, uh, you know, th- that's the way that things are gonna go. It's word of mouth, but word of mouth is so much easier nowadays. We have social media, we have Twitter, we have Facebook, we have Google, we have LinkedIn, we have all these websites, LO, places I've never even been yet. You know, there are so many ways to spread word of mouth to thousands, millions, whatever number of people. I mean, you can hashtag something on Twitter and 10,000 people can see it if you have the right headline, the right hashtag so i encourage you to keep doing it or start doing it even if it's just starting a twitter account you know, get your thoughts out there because we've spent so much time where we've only had this corporate top-down media with, you know, a couple cable stations, a couple radio companies that own almost every station at the end of the day, and they're pretty much dictating the dialogue. And that's why we've been stuck in this sort of left-versus-right false paradigm for so long, and I think we're finally getting out of it I'm finally finding conversations with people where we're not stuck in that. We can actually have a legitimate discussion, and that's what we really need to really figure out politics, to figure out what policies should be in the world, what rights are, what government is, what government should be doing, what government should not be doing, if government should exist at all for some of you guys out there. I'm open to all this stuff, but we got to talk about it. Even if we're just talking to a microphone in the Lions of Liberty Studios like I am right now. (laughs) Speaking of joining the conversation, we have a conversation going on at Lions of Liberty on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Lions of Liberty is our main page. You can also look up the Lions of Liberty forum. Check it out. Join the conversation. Hop in there. One of our admins will get you in there. It's a really effective way to communicate if you're on Facebook. If not, I understand there are many reasons that people might not want to be on Facebook, but I'm already locked in. You know, I'm in there. You know, find us on Twitter at Lions of Liberty. You can look us up on Google+. You can email me directly and I'm going to make a special request to do that right now. My email is mark, M-A-R-C, at lionsofliberty.com. And very shortly, in the next week or two probably, I'm going to be recording a question-and-answer show. So if you have a question you want me to address, a topic you want me to discuss, you want me to spout off about for a few seconds, you want to hear me rant about something, let me know. Mark, M-A-R-C, at lionsofliberty.com, or you can come post on our website, you can come post on our Facebook forum. There's so many ways to communicate with us guys, there's just really no excuse not to so many ways to hear the show, too, of course. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. You can hear us on the weekend over at LibertyTalk.fm every Saturday and Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern throughout the week at LRN.fm, the Liberty Radio Network. So many ways to hear the show. The only excuse to not listen is if you just don't like the sound of my stinking voice. But if you got that far, how bad could I be? Guys, keep coming back. And until then, folks, come on, man. Live long Live free, my friends. Peace. This Thursday, February 19th, Jamie Sherman on Lions
1: of Liberty Podcast. Head of Editing and Mastery, John Crawford.